Welcome to Group Talk. Four shows, one podcast from the Small Group Network focusing on topics relevant to small group ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you're a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax, listen, and enjoy Here to There with Carolyn Picetta. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for Here to There, where we explore movement from our present reality to the preferred future that God has for us. So early in my ministry career, I received a call from a small group leader. He and his wife led a couple, a married couple small group that had been doing really well for a couple of years. And then he shared that one of the couples told the group at the last meeting that they were getting a divorce. The group was totally shocked. The leader had no idea that this couple's marriage was even in trouble. And they had attended this group together consistently and never mentioned any marital issue. So it was not only difficult for this couple, but also really challenging for the group leaders to walk through the separation, the divorce, all the complicated issues, and then to decide who stays in the group, who has to go. And somehow they just felt like they had failed this couple. And I wish I could say that this was an isolated incident, but it is not. I have had similar conversations over the years with many small group leaders. In fact, uh, we had the same issue with a couple in my own small group years ago, and we were shocked and said the exact same things. Wow, how did this happen? We didn't see it coming. Why didn't they tell us before they got to this point? How could we have helped? We know that marriage is not easy and requires constant tending to keep growing and loving one another. And married couples groups are a great place where people can learn to do that in a supportive, Christ-centered environment. But for every disappointing story like the one I just shared, I could share a dozen more where groups were authentic with each other and helped the marriage through tough spots. So what makes the difference? My guests today, Rick and Sherry Blackman, are veteran small group leaders from my church, Calvary Community Church in Westlake Village, California, and they have a wealth of experience leading married couples at various stages of marriage, from young marriage to middle age to empty nester, etc. And here's the bonus. Rick is a psychologist who also works with married couples in therapy. So since I've been blessed to partner with them in ministry at our church, I can tell you that they are amazing people. They're really wise leaders, and they serve and shepherd their groups very well. And now they're going above and beyond by letting me interview them so we can learn from their experiences. So thanks so much, Rick and Sherry, for being on here to there. Thank you. Very it's glad. nice to be here. Yes, me too. Glad to be here. <laughs> So let me tell you a little bit about our guests. Um, Rick Blackman is a clinical psychologist who's been in private practice for 35 years, and he specializes in working with adults and marriages, and also has a niche of working with clergy on their own emotional and spiritual growth. How did I not know you had this niche? I feel like I should have known this, <laughs> or I should have taken advantage of it. Uh, Rick taught a course at Fuller Theological Seminary for 22 years on clergy growth, and has done numerous seminars for clergy and marital issues throughout his career. Sherry has a BA in English Literature and Religious Studies from Westmont College and an MDiv degree from Fuller Theological Seminary as well. She was ordained as a pastor in the Presbyterian Church USA, where she served for 15 years as an associate pastor in a new church development. And then she led um, there small group programs, among other things. She did a whole bunch of other things. It's kind of an understatement. Um, after her church ministry, she moved into Christian education at an independent college preparatory, 6 to 12 school, for 19 years as its founding member, chaplain, department chair, and teacher. She's now technically retired, um, but is eager to serve the Lord in new ways. Um, and Sherry has a beautifully written blog called Life After Why. Um, I love this sub, um, the subtitle of this, Fighting your foot, uh, Finding Your Footing um, and Purpose After a Life Disruptor, which, wow, seems like the perfect subtitle as we emerge from the pandemic. Yeah. So we'll tell you more about um, her blog and uh, we can link that later in the show notes. But they have been married for 40 years. 
congratulations, <laughs> and have three grown children and two grandchildren. And they have led small groups for married couples for many years. And I've heard them uh, talk about couples uh, issues and marriage and retreats. Um, they have mentored young couples. They've been in pure couples. So currently you lead a group with young marriage, right? But now they have children. So young parents? Yes. Along the way. Two, two groups, one with couples our own age and then another one with young couples. And I think when we started it seven or eight years ago, there were no kids and we just figured out 21 children have been born. 21? 21. Not everybody is wow. still in the group because they'll wow. move. Wow. But so we've gone through birth and I think the oldest kid is seven. No. Wow, that's great. Um, and to be, have that kind of consistency in mentoring um, both of those types of groups. Okay, so let's just dive right in. So I introduced the issue that has been really bothering me for years about married couples groups. It seems like we set them up to help support and encourage others' marriages, and yet um, a lot of times they just get sideways and they have no idea these issues are even in the couple. So why is that? Does it surprise either of you that... Um, that people don't share their true marital issues in their groups? Well, I think it's a generational thing mm -hmm. because the young couples do share and they want us to share our weaknesses and our struggles. And they're very open to that. Um, our older uh, couples group, that's a little trickier. Mm -hmm. And I have very, I think there are various reasons for it. Uh, one of them is that um, it's sometimes a trust issue. And, you know, because you don't want it to get out into the community. Um, and so we tend to be, it tends to not be as much, uh, there tends to be not as much closeness regarding talking about marital issues. But Rick and I were just talking about what is the purpose of a small group? And the purpose really is to have a life group, at least for us. We have life groups and we do life together. And we definitely do that. Uh, in both groups. Mm -hmm. Some couples just decide that they don't want to be transparent about that. Hmm. Uh, and there's some good reasons for that. For example, one couple that did go through a divorce, we had no idea. The man was a pastor at a big church and the ramifications of telling yeah. the group would have been so tremendous. So I believe that was one of the pressures that they were under. And so we were just perplexed when it happened. None of us saw it, but uh, I think we understood there were some issues, uh, but it never came out. That's mm -hmm. right. Yeah. One of the things when I think of a couples group that I think has animated both Sherry and I is we'll, we'll kind of help direct or steer the group. I've heard you say this, Carolyn, with the idea that if you're trying to have a healthy, long marriage, mm -hmm. We all need all the help we can get. Yes. <laughs> so uh, it's not therapy. It right. feels really clear to me. I do therapy for a living. Um, and sometimes I kind of want it to be a little bit more of that. But I think I've reconciled that we're, we're all recognizing, we say it all the time, Sherry and I, that the hardest thing about being married in a healthy way is dealing with differences. Yes. So we are constantly saying that. We're constantly reading books. And I think our charter in both groups, and especially the younger group, is marriage is hard, we all need mm -hmm. help, so let's get as many resources, have as many conversations uh, as we can. So I know that's helping the marriages. I, unfortunately, that story that you read, we've lived through a couple of times. Yeah. Recently, this past year, we had another couple 
kind of mm -hmm. out of the blue. They were having issues and struggles. And we rallied around them. Mm -hmm. And even, I would say, in our different ways, tried to see if it could be salvaged and help them. Yeah, in that case, it and was it a sexual addiction issue. Oh. And so, oh. of course, they're not going to reveal that. Right. I mean, the wife didn't even know. That's right. right. And they'd been married about 30 years. So I think sometimes when the shame of sharing something mm -hmm. is so great, uh, that puts pressure on the couple to keep silent. And there's really not much you can do other than just promote material and discussions that are right. supportive of marriage and of struggle. But we, uh, we just can't beat ourselves up over those things because we didn't have access to the information. A couple of books that we've read that people that are running small mm -hmm. groups might enjoy. The one, The Meaning of Marriage by Timothy oh, Keller. Yeah. Yeah and uh, the one by Gary Thomas, uh, Sacred, Marriage. Sacred Marriage. And the idea is, I think another favorite topic for Sherry and I, is that the problems that you're experiencing are an opportunity for spiritual growth and development. Yes. They're not meant right. to drive you apart and make you end up leaving each other. They're really fodder, if you will, mm -hmm. for how you need to grow and become the best version right. of yourself, God's best version right. of yourself. And I think, again, if we're creating a culture where that's the way to think about marriage, Christian marriage especially. Right. And I think that's true in both uh, uh, both the groups we're doing and other groups that we've done in the past. Yeah, I guess the challenging part is, uh, the, the kind of activator in me is, why didn't, wasn't there some inkling earlier, not to beat, beat leaders up over the head with it, but like when you start to see some tension, if we had the courage or the guts to not do it in the whole group maybe, but maybe just pull them aside, if a leader were to just pull them aside, or maybe just the guy or just the the woman and say, hey, is everything okay, and give them an opportunity, maybe some of that would happen more preventatively. I'm looking for more prophylactic measures, right? Mm -hmm. A little preventative versus usually by the time I hear about it as a small group pastor, it's really too late. They've already filed papers they've already like said uh, said things that can't be forgiven or unsaid do you know what i mean is there a way you think to kind of suss that out a little sooner that well, you're, we you're reminding me of a story of a group that we were involved in probably 25 years ago and it it was a couple in there and i didn't like the way the husband was treating his wife mm -hmm. in the session and so afterwards uh out kind of in the in the parking lot, if you will, or the driveway, I grabbed him by the chin. Whoa. <laughs> and this is a guy much bigger than me. He could clearly handle me if he wanted to. And I just said, his name was John. John, you cannot treat your wife like that in private or in public. Yeah. And later we became very involved with that couple. And he was, it turns out, an alcoholic. And then he got wow. sober. And they are friends of ours to this day. And I don't even know what possessed me. To mm -hmm. do that, like, I said the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I think maybe the Holy Spirit and a little bit of stupidity yes. <laughs> at the same time. But it was one of those times. I almost wish I had more courage like that mm -hmm. more frequently when I sent something. But do you remember that? That was yeah. Was and uh, it turns out they, the wife, kind of initiated uh, a, an intervention, and he moved in with us, and they were separated for a little bit, mm -hmm. and then he stopped drinking. Uh, he went through AA. He still goes to AA. He's great now. Yeah. Almost every day. Yeah. And uh, it saved the marriage. See, because you had the... Because you grabbed the chance. Well, to do that. I don't know if it's just that, but it was one of God the used it. pieces. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, I'd forgotten that story. So yeah. just, you were talking. I just, I just think we, we tried to be nice 
um, and not be intrusive. And we, and also we just don't want a lot of drama or mess in our groups, honestly. And we keep, no matter, you know, point leaders and, and small group people are constantly, it's okay. The mess is normal. I think we try to keep things nice and smooth. And so if you see some marital discord, you try to like not embarrass them by pointing it out. And I think we just do a disservice. I mean, if we're in the, if a married couple's in that group, one of their objectives is to, um, continue to grow in their marriage. So I, it, maybe it's better to point out some things. And, and one of the things I think we would say, and we don't do this always well, but if we model transparency about, and don't- Oh, as leaders. As leaders, don't have a need as a married couple ourselves to come across as having it all together and having perfection, um, but share openly and more mm -hmm. transparently. That tends now, especially with it the young help. couples. Oh, uh, with everybody. that okay. We've done that more and more over the last 10 years. Yeah. At first, it was like, you got to keep up an image. And then it's like, well, why? Because <laughs> so, we're all having the same. Yeah, issues. we're all That's having the sure. same. A lot yeah. of it has to do, like you said, with uh, accepting differences. The older you get, right. seems like it. And so, um, you know, we just become more comfortable. And it definitely translates to openness among others. And that's actually a key leader principle too. You, the group is only going to be as vulnerable as you are. And I think when it comes to the married groups, it is hard to know where that line is. And I've, um, I'm the more outspoken of between my husband and I, I know it's shocking. Um, I'm, and my husband's more quiet. He's more reserved. And so in our married couples group, sometimes um, I'll ask him like on the drive there, Hey, is it okay if I share this, uh, what's going on with our kids or ourselves or whatever? Like, are you good with it? Because his, um, his level of reserve means that, you know, some of the things are a little harder for him versus for me. Like he generally doesn't ask me if it's okay to share something. I'm like, sure, go ahead, share it. <laughs> no problem. Um, but just the idea though, I think it's important to respect our spouses that way. So um, one of the questions I had was like, how do we create those safer spaces where vulnerability can happen? You guys gave a great example of using um, your, yourselves as models as not to say, you know, hey, we have figured out and this is how you do it, but more as models as in, hey, we've dealt with this. We're currently dealing with this other things. So I think that's probably number one. And maybe also to respect um, one another as spouses. So you're not so afraid that someone's going to share something that the spouse is going to be really um, ashamed of. But what are some other tips that come to mind and how to create an environment where people feel like if they want to, that it creates that opening for vulnerability? Yeah, for us, uh, one of the things that works really well is to divide up the women from the men. For, oh, okay. We do that for prayer time sometimes. Oh, that's great. Uh, and we've Not done all it. The time, we've yeah. done it. Yeah, we do it pretty rarely, but it's always uh, it always yields something good. Are they so, deeper? Are they? They're do a they, little bit deeper. They are. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't yeah. know what it is, but uh, it works really well. So that's a little, just a very simple mm -hmm. tip. A couple of other things come to my mind. Mm -hmm. I think saying something about confidentiality mm -hmm. makes sense. Just like what we share here. Stays here. And we've not always been happy with how that went there's mm -hmm. been times sometimes our kids know each other and mm -hmm. the our friends kids will learn something that we know right. came from the small group so right. we'll have to maybe emphasize that once in a that's while a good point. the other thing so so that and that's probably good small yes group yes in general but especially but especially for use. marriage yeah yeah the, the other is again creating this culture of normalizing mm -hmm. problems like if you don't have problems yeah you're not breathing and you're probably not being honest and just kind of being bold like that. Mm -hmm. Like this is a group where we just want to admit marriage is really hard. Yeah. It's really hard to, you know, kind of work through those differences that Sherry's talking about and, 
yet that's an opportunity and an opportunity for growth. So let's just not pretend. And mm -hmm. I think that helps create oh, safety. Yeah. Uh, when we're so doing many that. of the younger couples have been helped by that because they go through struggles and they maybe come from that school of thought of, I have my soulmate and it's going to oh, be dear. easy. <laughs> and so when we've shared with especially the younger couples group that uh, that kind of philosophy of marriage, which a lot of it is reinforced in Tim Keller's book, mm -hmm. The Meaning of Marriage, it has been very positive. They go, oh, yeah, so this isn't so bad. This is normal. Mm -hmm. We're going through a normal stage. And I, I remember a, a couple that's not at the group. They're at another church now, but such sweet couple. They were high school sweethearts. Mm -hmm. And when we were talking about problems and normalizing them, at first they were shocked and then unbelievably relieved because uh -huh. they so thought they had they were the only ones. a terrible <laughs> marriage that they fought and had conflict and increasingly learned about things they didn't like about each other. Right. <laughs> when that got normalized, I felt so good. Like, I think we really did that couple. Yeah, service. That <laughs> couple was very matched. They met when they were 15. That's right. And she held her pencil like he did. She wanted to be just like him. Oh, wow. Right. I and forgot about that. <laughs> so they just thought that, oh, it's it's just going to continue. You become like one, this. like literally yes, one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So what, what about some landmines to avoid? I, I know um, I can think just even in my own small groups over the years of things that we did not do well when it came to this particular issue of married couples groups where, um, like, I have shared stuff where I didn't know my husband wasn't comfortable sharing and then had to later on apologize and, and clean it up. Um, but what are some things to not do if you're in a married couples group that's not helpful? The thing that comes to my mind to repeat is to not pretend like you have mm -hmm. it more together yeah. as a couple. And I think I've had to grow and learn uh, in that respect, sort of being a counselor. And yeah, plus don't people look to you and expect that you and, would? And you too, as a pastor. And so <laughs> no, more, more you. There's, there's You're like, did you not know that you're like the perfect Calvary couple? This is how yeah. we talk of you. Did you not know that? Oh, great. Thank you. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, definitely spell, not true. Just spell been, that right away. Very honest and very real. But I think Sherry has been, you, you've, had, you've understood this more naturally and more quickly than me. And she had to push me. Um, it's been a, a while, but... Um, to you're going to be more effective yeah. if you're vulnerable and transparent about problems and have the same number as anybody else. So Yeah, so if you are not willing to shed the role, like, for example, that couple we talked about mm -hmm. where the man was a pastor of a big church, that was just very difficult. He, he was the one that called the group together and chose everyone because he needed a comfort level. Mm. But then sharing those things would have been just too uh, costly. Right, right. So... Uh, it's really helpful to step out of the role, whatever role mm -hmm. that puts you on a pedestal and maybe to tell the group, you know, here, we're going to be friends. Right. Because, you know, a lot of pastors, they need support yes. too, but where do they get support? Right. So that's um, a great piece to highlight because one of the objections we hear from um, senior pastors, especially, but even among small group um, people and other pastors in ministry is that I can't be myself if there's church people around. Um, and that seems so dangerous. Like there has to be a place where you just you just you. Otherwise, you don't have accountability. You don't have the love and support you need. Um, but that seems to be one of those misnomers. You work with clergy a lot, Rick. Like that's one of those things out there. People when we and we have heard people say, "I can't be in a group with my congregation." I'm like, okay, then be in one outside. Which would be one of the ideas. Yeah, I promoted when I used to teach at a right. seminary. That's 
find your posse outside, uh, you know, you that's safer to. if you need one. Increasingly, I think people can find that in their own congregation. It's a little bit different than when I was first dealing right, with right. that, that role issue, the pedestal problem, we call it. Uh, so it's a little bit different, but it's still, it's still there, definitely. What about the, the other landmine, just mm -hmm. before I forget it, is I think we've had this experience if you let one couple dominate. Yes. I was going to go. Conversation <laughs> yes. and be really talkative, even sometimes about their problems. Right. I think that I, I can feel a weariness mm -hmm. that goes on in the group. Absolutely. So over the years, I felt like, gotta, gotta stop that somehow. Even to the point at times, I'll feel like I'm being a little bit rude. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of direct about that sometimes too. Yeah. Well, my small group training as yes. a pastor <laughs> yes. really came in there. There are just some very simple things you can do. Mm -hmm. Don't sit across from a talkative person because they'll Ooh. lock eyes and they'll think that you're looking at them in affirmation. Right, right. So you kind of put them or sit on the side next this to them. It's a, class a good them. tip. I've not heard you and say that. You do have to interview. <laughs> so Rick, are you often at her side? <laughs> this, is, this is where it might be. Yeah. This is a classic one and it yeah. works. Yeah. We've I done like it. That. It works. But you do have to intervene and you have to just keep in mind, my goal is the group, yes. not one individual person. Just like when I was a teacher, your goal is the classroom, mm -hmm. not just one. You can't allow one person to hijack it. So talkative people are very difficult, but I found just a few lines like, thanks for sharing that. Does someone else want to share now? Right. Just direct it. But what, you, but what do you do when like they're the ones in crisis? I think this is where that line between um, between a small group, life group versus a support group and sliding into a therapy group, it just becomes, starts getting fuzzy and our leaders are kind people. <laughs> they wouldn't be yes. small group leaders if we're not kind. Um, and so where you kind of go, if someone's in crisis, they walk in with tears, then obviously they need a little more time. Um, and so you give them a little bit of space, but the not getting hijacked, like that's a really tough skill, especially for less experienced uh, leaders to, to, um, to learn. And actually I've had some issues with therapists and counselors who are small group leaders. I've had to tell them, please don't, don't go into your professional role. Cause that's a, almost a default, yeah. um, because it leaves the rest of the group kind of like I'm now listening in on a therapy session. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you might make an allowance one or two times. Um, but it shouldn't become a habit. And yeah. if it does, then maybe you want to do the same thing as Rick did with John, not grab him, but uh, just set them, as, take yeah. them aside and say, you know, uh, how about you go to therapy or you can talk yes. to them one-on-one, -on -one, but you just can't allow the group to completely start focusing on one couple. I have a feeling you might say, Carolyn, because you've been leading small groups a long time, leading us leaders. It might just be part of the experience you will you have to develop you'll yes. have to set a boundary you'll right. have to say we're going to have to move on you're going to have to say we're going to have to take this offline yes like can we deal Those with this lines, later yeah. um and that never feels fun all these years i've been trying <laughs> that, that never is enjoyable right. but i can't imagine a small group leader becoming an experienced small group leader and not having yes it's kind of it is one of the basic skills yeah. It's true, but it's kind of, I, I just find people just find it really hard. Even if they're like CEOs, they lead the, the group and they find it really hard to cut someone off. And I don't know if it's my lawyer training or what, but I'm just like, but there's like other people there yes. and it, they all matter. 
So you can only give so much time. And if the issue is prolonged, then, um, you know, I try to refer, we are really blessed to have a whole care ministry. We have lay counselors and ministers that can walk alongside beyond. Um, but as far as the group, like what is, let's talk about that a little bit. What is the role of the other, the, the other people in the group, in a married couples group? Like not when there's crisis, but just in general, like what's, what's their skin in the game for it? Like, are they pretty much looking at the leader to, to guide that process or, cause I think they play a really important role. Oh yes, definitely. I mean, our philosophy is let's spread out the leadership mm -hmm. or the facilitating, yeah. let other people take ownership as much as possible. Um, we've had the young couples lead the group themselves. We take turns sometimes we're not the experts and we don't ever want to be because it's not a teaching role. You know, it's and maybe facility. that's one of the mistakes if they think of it as a teaching. And sometimes the mentors, mentor married couple groups, they tend to first see it as more of a, I'm mentoring, right? And so in our culture, mentoring means let me impart to you my wisdom. Yeah. So I see it more as a teaching. You guys see it more as a facilitating role still. Most definitely. Absolutely. It's not a teaching role. I think if someone approaches it from the standpoint of I have to get this across, uh, this came in the way of my getting this content across, you should be in a classroom. It's mm -hmm. not you're supposed to be facilitating. And I think the best way to know whether you're doing a good job is, are you receding into the background? Are mm. other people talking? Like when you watch the conversation, is it going from one person to you and then back to another person to you? Or is it going around one group member, another group member, another right, group member, right. maybe back to you. If that starts happening, that's when you're successful as a facilitator. Cause you're supposed to facilitate their discussion. Hey, all you amazing small group point people, Jason Bandoff here. And last week, we had a successful virtual lobby event. And guess what? We're planning an in-person lobby event now. It's going to be so amazing to be back at Rancho Capistrano with you again. And I don't know about you, but my life has felt a little empty without a little Southern California in my life. So you're not quite sure what I'm talking about? Well, listen up. Our lobby gathering is back, so join us February 22nd through the 24th. We're located at Saddleback Church's stunning Rancho Capistrano Retreat Center. The lobby gathering is an all-out-of-the-box small group networking event where we create environments for small group point people to relax, connect together, and casual conversation about small group ministry, much like they would in a church lobby over a cup of coffee. So whether you're a beginner or a veteran small group point person, you will have an equal voice in each circle of conversation. You will also get to hear and learn from some of the brightest small group point people from all around the world. Visit smallgroupnetworking.com forward slash conferences to sign up today. Again, that's smallgroupnetworking.com forward slash conferences. You're going to be so glad that you did. And now back to here to there. But what if they're saying things that's bad? What if someone shares a mess and then someone else is like, wow, that's never happened to me. You guys must be really messed up. Oh. <laughs> what if something like that goes down? Then say, does <laughs> anyone else relate to this? <laughs> Throw it back to them. Or say that is like the most unhelpful comment. Exactly. That's what I would say. That's what I would say. I, I would like, probably say that too, what? actually, <laughs> It helps to have Ricky's very direct. <laughs> well, I think that's part of it is partly why the leader becomes more directive in a married couples group is because they want to protect the weaker ones or the protect the more vulnerable in the group if they've been through stuff or whatever. And then they kind of take that on, which then kind of prohibits the group from learning from each other. Say someone say something like that did happen and someone did say something that, that um, unkind, then it would be opportunity, right? For the group then to, to work through it and say, 
you know, hey, are we going to be a group that's going to pass judgment on each other? Or are we going to be a group that's going to have grace and acceptance as its baseline? Like, I feel like that would be a really good teaching that's moment. That's like such a fabulous leader thing to say. Yes. Yeah, but how many of us would actually do it in the moment? Kind of <laughs> in the moment, I'd probably just be wincing. Part of it, I can feel the theme in the conversation we're having is if, as a leader, you're constantly thinking about us as a group. Mm-hmm. rather than just individuals, I think. And you're really, I, I think even though I'm a, mostly an individual and couples therapist, in a group setting, I get annoyed if it's focusing too much on one okay. person. Even if that person is... Because I know the, the group's not going to benefit as much. Yeah. So I, I, maybe that's just having done it a long time or getting good input from Sherry because she has so much wisdom around small groups that, that, that feels like it's in my cells now. Uh, to just care more about yeah. the group. And the other group members will thank you quietly. Yes. Oh, yes. yes thank you. She's yeah. talking so much. That's and nice. I don't know what to do. So you're going to make them happy. It's not yes. like you're, you know, just. It's true. Because otherwise they won't come back. I mean, we've had many exactly. situations where there's been. This actually happens more in women's groups, Sherry. Maybe you can shed light on that, where it, they tend to veer more into this support and therapy role more, especially when one's going through a divorce. And there's just, you know, the next week, now it's an update, uh, the divorce saga. Next week, it's an update. Not to be unkind, like, it's yeah. divorce is grueling. I can't imagine. Terrible. Um, it's terrible. And so you want to pray for them and care for them. But then what ends up happening is other people in the group, they have stuff too maybe not to that level so then we get into like they'll say well i can't bring up my issue at work because it's not like i'm getting divorced and you know being treated horribly like then they diminish their own pain and then they don't have a voice in the group and eventually they um, get tired of not having a voice or not being valued and then they leave then the group leader goes i don't know what happened my group only has three people left and one of them is the person going to the divorce i'm like you've now turned into a support group and the other people just don't feel supported anymore mm-hmm. and they're out and but it, it almost always i've not had this happen in a man and men's group i don't this is a gender that's thing so that's kind of interesting it happens usually in a um in a women's group mm-hmm. And even in the married couples group, less so because usually the uh, couple is leading together or um, the guy is leading. And so it, I, I think they just kind of put the stops on that level of vulnerability yeah. a little bit sooner. I think wow. you can have a support group feeling yes. and still focus on everybody. But another thought that I'm having just as you're talking is if you're, if you're studying material mm. that's connected to marriage and you're, as the leader pretty hardcore. We're going to do this as part of the group. We're not just going to do a support group um, setting. And especially if some of the material is related to marriage. I think in our young couples group, they actually came up with this, not Cherry and I. They said, let's do maybe the material the church is giving us Mm -hmm. uh, or a book of the Bible. And then let's do something on marriage. And then let's do the church material. And we kind of go back and forth. Even there's times Sherry and I would rather just do a book of the Bible, if we're honest. But they want to do that. And I think in that group, we have every, sometimes we'll do it on parenting Mm -hmm. too, because of these kids that were, um, so family and parenting. But a lot of them are on marriage, right? Mm -hmm. We have done more books and studies together on marriage. But I like that you have a diet of it. And your group's been together, what, almost 10 years? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you have a diet of it. I get concerned when groups say all they do is marriage stuff. And I'm like, you've done two years of marriage stuff? Like, where's, where about the Bible? 
yeah. I mean, I, I get that exactly. there's verses, but I'm like, you learn more about each other as a spouse when you're going through a book of the Bible than necessarily treading the same water over and over around marriage. I'm like, take a break from point. that. So I love that you guys have like a balance. Yeah. And, and one thing that what you're saying reminds me of is the importance of ownership. Mm -hmm. and, and this is like small groups 101, but right. they sh there should always be a new commit. Like you should go eight weeks, 10 weeks, and then you reevaluate and then you have another commitment because if you have an ongoing sort of thing and then people start getting tired of it, right. you're going to lose them. So I think there always has to be ownership. So whenever we change topics or books, we always say, have everybody chime in. Mm -hmm. Do you want to do this? What do you want to get out of it? And then we also divide up our time. We're going to spend this much time okay. sharing. We're going to spend this much time, you know, uh, studying, discussing, and praying. We're praying. And that really helps. And we have right. a timekeeper oh. uh, in our older couples group. And that person says, okay, it's 9.15. We have, we have to quit now. And so if everybody has buy-in, mm -hmm. then if one person wants That's to dominate and take the group too right. far down one road, you just, you know, they'll all be there to support your decision. To, right. Let's and you've pull agreed, it back. And you've agreed in advance. Yes. The thing with now, I'm in an empty nester, newly empty nester, small group. We've been together for a long time now but it's interesting once in a while i think i said this a few weeks ago i said guys we need to stop talking about our kids like oh. we now we're all updating each other on all of our yeah. uh, young adults and it's been a while with the COVID and everything so we needed to catch up but then like we didn't share at all and there were some issues come that are in people's lives that I, I was aware of but we just spent the whole time updating on our kids and all of our worries for our kids which really could go on for hours right so i was like i feel like we need to say okay god has the kids let's let's focus on how are you doing how are you doing individually oh. and that seems to be the other danger in married couples groups is yeah, the well, kids oh i sure. completely agree with that we if you allow it it would all be about kids yes. and then the next level would be it'd be about other people oh my yes. my cousin my yes uncle. yes but so i always <laughs> just make a really simple like often I'll say, what about you? What's mm. going on with you? Mm. Um, it's just so important to pull that back. And, and a lot of times people, no one's asking that. I know. Though I um, do want to say, I mean, the group that the older couples group that we have been in for a long time, you can hardly imagine an issue with kids that hasn't come up. That's true. Our kids yeah. divorced. Between, between all, the, yeah, all the kids. And the, to feel warmly supported oh, yes. and prayed for. Yes, for sure is fabulous. So yeah. I wouldn't ever want to dispense with right. that, no. but it can get old if that's it's all a balance. Right. So it's so a hard balance. That's yeah. a hard one too. It's to a both right. and thing. Yeah. And, and it works what we do. And, and I said it kind of jokingly, I'm like, you know, basically our, clearly our kids are all back in our lives because that's all we're talking about. <laughs> but on our texting, our group text, like if something happens to one of our kids, the first thing we do is, Hey, can you pray about this? Yeah, um, awesome. And so the support and the non-judgment about whatever our kids are going, we don't judge each other's parenting about it. Um, we grieve when there's grieving needed and we rejoice when we can rejoice. Um, but I think it's an easy sidestep. And because we care so deeply about our families, it's easier to not talk about our marriage, which is a tougher thing to talk about and be vulnerable about, or even about our own mm -hmm. issue. How, mm -hmm. you know, how does the layoff make me feel? Or how does, 
you know, this situation, uh, especially for the guys like to share about that, which might be why it's helpful to separate out the men's and women mm -hmm. on occasion. A lot of our married couples groups do that, actually recommend it. Um, I think I got the idea for you, Sherry, because you guys were doing it before the other groups were. And I said, this is working really well for the black men's group. So wanted to try it. And I, um, Connor uh, Johnson, and he's um, our middle school pastor, and they have a young group, like 25 year olds, pretty much all newly married. And he's like, I did that and it worked so well. And we had like the best time. And they don't have kids yet. So there's no childcare, but the groups that balance the childcare. It is a little more open. I'm just it, yeah, about there's that. more openness. You're right. You're right. And if they develop those friendships earlier on in that group setting, and I know um, Sherry told me that you guys don't always show up for those, that sometimes you're traveling and you have other things going on and they get to then build relationships with each other that doesn't have you guys as intermediary, which seems really healthy. Mm -hmm. Yes, that was really encouraging to me to hear that they were getting together at the park with their kids or, yeah, but they're also extremely welcoming of us, but we don't, we don't have to, we're not the glue for the group. Yeah, not a lot of times I think the leaders end up being the glue, whether it's a married couples group or other, you know, other types of groups end up being the glue. Another piece just that I just thought of when you were both talking is in our young couples group, for some reason, I don't even know whose decision or idea this was. We decided we wanted to do some kind of service. Together. Oh, yeah, that's really important. So we started just doing once a month, making mm -hmm. lunches. For, oh, yeah, yeah, for our um, food ministry. And we've yeah. been doing that for most of the time. Oh, it's and nice. They man. love it, and their kids come, oh, and they're making idea. sandwiches. And sometimes when we were doing it in a garage at our last house, the neighborhood kids would <laughs> oh, come that's over so great. and help. And they, what are you doing? And so we could talk to them about. I know, that. and so we talked to the kids about what it means to be homeless. And the mm. parents do too. It's a very small thing, but it teaches the kids. Oh, for sure. And the kids now spread the peanut butter and jelly all themselves. We lay out the bread. They do the oh, rest. Oh, I love that. And they love that. So it's ownership not only yes. for the group members, but for their kids. And what's so great, too, with that is sometimes we get so intense, like in marriage, where we're just focusing on it, especially if you're a little bit in crisis or tension, and you're just focusing on that issue. Sometimes when you do something lighthearted or for others, or you just do something side by side, you're kind of like, oh, you are funny. Mm -hmm. I, I did That's remember right. this about you like yes yes not otherwise mm -hmm. and that actually stirs up love stirs up compassion mm -hmm. and it's just it's good to get another angle so a lot of times going home like don i'll talk and i'll be like oh you shared about this you know this thing from that verse we were talking about i'm like i hadn't thought of it that way like that's kind of cool like what made you think of that so we actually have more interesting conversations after we've been together in a different setting which i think the small groups could provide oh most definitely we do a lot of social things with them in fact with our older couples group because we're all empty nesters we go on trips together. Like that. Well, you have the benefit of having a pilot as one of your, well, your small group. I've seen the pictures and we're like, why, why can't? I mean, this is why people are like, why can't we be part of that group? They go on trips together. But only six people can get can in fit that. into That's that. That's a pretty big group. We can't all get Well, but we all went to Tahoe. Uh, we all went to Utah. And, and how beautiful. And we're all in the Southwest plane flown by one of the group know, members. Which is so great. Yeah. He retired. Though. And that group's been together, what, like 20 some so how many years? That well, group? that was the original one from the past. Uh, 20, yes, tw 20, 20. I was going to say around 20, 20 years, plus. right? 20 years? Yeah. yeah, it's been because yeah. we've been and at Calvary. Been here yeah. For how long, so. yeah, that's right. And then this new one is is us. Okay, so having done diff groups in different stages, I just have to ask, what uh, which stage do you guys like the most in terms of leading it? The middle-aged couple, the empty nester, the young marrieds. Is there some any special dynamics that you could speak to for um, the different stages as you lead as you've led through all the different ones? I would say I like the younger ones the most because 
well, I'm older now, so some of the women look to me as sort of a mother. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them has a breakdown in her relationship with her mother. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's just been very rewarding to mm -hmm. have that sort of an input. I'm just supportive and just trying to right. speak into her life. It's well, not, sweet. I don't believe in a mentor being like, I have advice to give you. It's just sort of a, you participate in someone's life mm -hmm. and... So yeah, that I've enjoyed. Even though you do have advice sometimes. Yeah. It's just organic. But, you, but I'm guessing that Sherry probably waits till they ask for it or yeah. are open to it. She's yeah. not going to show She's not someone who's going to shut it down. Yes. No, yeah. it's not a silly That's, that's well, the gold standard. <laughs> <laughs> that would be like the grabbing the chin thing. Once in a while, the Holy Spirit requires that you you give it regardless. I, I, I do that more often than the Spirit tells me to. <laughs> if I think of the question, it's I. my first thought is, if you ask me what age do you like your kids, I would say I like every stage. Mm -hmm. I like babies. I like toddlers. For different like, reasons, right? Yeah. So I probably feel the same way about couples. I mean, I have a great deal of admiration for anybody trying to make a marriage healthy and make it last. Yeah. So in that respect, I probably don't have a favorite. If we're talking about marriage, man, empty nesters or young kids, middle school kids, I... I find it all is challenging any, and not boring and right, but it's challenging in different ways. Like if you had yeah, to do certainly. broad stroke, okay, so broad stroke, most challenging thing about say um, young married, so pre K and under, leading a group of that for marriages. Oh, I think young kids fatigue in their marriage and just trying to get everything because usually yeah. often both people are working. Right. So the inconsistency uh, of attendance, actually that's the challenge for small groups in that stage of life. And I, you know, I to remember that time in my own life too, right. but that like, I can't imagine going through the pandemic with young kids. Yeah. That was way, way harder. Kids at school. Right. Right. We went through it as empty nesters and it was certainly challenging for us, but, not, but yeah. I don't think on the same level. So that's, and how about, the, how about the teenage level? Like what if um, leading couples with um, teenagers, middle school, high school, like is there something that's extra challenging for that stage? Well, everyone's living in time stress during those years. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> so, you were a high school teacher. I think that oh, yeah, you live, you, you live with, you lived with that <laughs> with all the yeah. parents. I mean, it was the same. It's very similar to the way it is now with the older couples group. We just shared our struggles. We probably talked about kids more. <laughs> But, um, yeah. and that group has been so supportive. Like you said before, it's really nice to be with a group that doesn't judge your parenting. Yeah. If something goes wrong with your kids, you don't get judged. Oh, it's for this reason. Or, right, right. And um, that is incredibly life-giving. Yeah. I've said a bunch of times in both groups, uh, will nod their heads, parents tend to take too much credit mm. and too much blame for their mm. children. That's, I think and that's true. Just Well, I know it's true. Yeah. Uh, and it's annoying when parents take <laughs> all the credit. <laughs> but um, just yeah. kind of to recognize that your kids, and again, that's something that's nice to create as a culture mm -hmm. in the group. That, And it leads to what you just said. I do feel that too. Like if your kid's going off the rails, I don't think either group is particularly judgmental mm -hmm. about that. Because uh, that's so painful. And oh yeah, and you're just piling so on. Critical anyway, right? And, and yeah, you're already, already hard on ourselves. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> then you just pile and go. Now they think this of me, and yeah. I, you know, the shame gets added on. Exactly. it. That's yeah. That's mm -hmm. just not helpful. Yeah. Um, Another thing that's been really, I think, in both groups, a really nice dynamic is we all have enjoyed 
another book of Keller's Counterfeit Gods, mm-hmm. the idea idols. of yeah. having idols and defining an idol as taking a good thing and elevating it to an ultimate thing. Right. And not wanting to do that with our marriage. Mm-hmm. So for me to think that I'm, my deepest needs are not supposed to be met by my beautiful wife, mm-hmm. um, but more from God. And if I put that kind of pressure on her, right. I'm making marriage an idol or my children an idol. And right. I think that's been a theme. We are always coming back around to that our, theme our, all the time. Our group, <laughs> Both really, groups. Yes. Um, I think as Christians, we care so much about our families, yes. but sometimes... I wonder if we care too much or if we're just too tied to how they're doing. And it's a really difficult. We've gone through that ourselves. Having yeah. to let go of that idol is so difficult. But the group, everyone in that group has to do We're it. in it together. Yeah. We're in yeah. that together. And that's, again, something we will verbalize both ages, like the hmm. the younger ones, that's probably a little bit more not idolizing your marriage. You no, know, no, the they think ones. their parenting will do the trick. You know, you just do. We, it. we think yeah. it's. We think there's a formula. Yeah, train your child right, right, yeah. and we think it's a formula. And then you hit the teenagers and realize that was really a formula. <laughs> that was like a guideline and possibility. Yeah. That's right. It was just this, like that's this is not word. not how it worked out. And then I think there is that part of our our judgmentalness in Christian culture. I think it comes out of our fear. Of being um, of being wrong or falling short or not doing it well, it, it actually comes from more of a fear place than that we're actually judging the other person. It's kind of like we want to say, you know, that won't happen to my kid because I didn't do X Y Z. Like mm-hmm. we're always wanting to separate out that happened to them because blank, right? Same thing with with mm-hmm. crime or right? just anything. We just want to like be protected, right? Instead of saying we live in a broken world. <laughs> it's a lot of, a lot of stuff that happens to our children that is not within our control. And yet we keep trying so hard to control it. Of course, I'm preaching to myself here because I totally do this. I joke that I wanted to bubble wrap my blog, children. That's like very yes. much the same of sure. Yeah, you, can, sure. you can have a group that doesn't search for reasons, doesn't need to search for reasons, just give support. It's yeah. so life-giving, so helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember when we used to ride motorcycles and I would always hear people's stories like, what caused that crash? Why did you do this? Because I wanted to make sure that I you wouldn't, wasn't going to happen to me. Right, it was right. a way, like you said, it's fear-based. It's a way to keep that away. Right. But it only works to some extent. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. It was so helpful. And just, um, yeah, I'm just so thankful that you guys are part of our small group ministry here. Well, thank you. I've, been, yeah. I've said to others, I want to clone you guys and have other, other groups. But, you know, we don't have a therapist in every small group. So our listeners, you know, you, a therapist could be helpful, but not necessarily. So just word of caution there, because it hasn't yes. always worked out as well as this I one. <laughs> yeah, you can see why that might be. Um, so is there anything else, any final thoughts um, that you'd like to, to say to our listeners? We're mostly small group pastors and directors, kind of in the trenches of ministry. My only concluding thought is to just be thankful for what you do because a small group makes a church personal, mm-hmm. whether it's a large church like ours or even right. the church we came from before this was uh, just a few hundred. It was very different. But even there, the small group makes the, the desire to be a follower of Jesus and to learn to do that well and to learn to do that well in your marriage um, small and personal. So what you're doing and what small group leaders do could hardly be more valuable to oh, the, the spiritual formation work that we're all trying to do. 
that's from Dr. Rick, so you can believe it. This is true. And a divinity degree to boost is a bonus. Are <laughs> you sure anything else? I would say let your group guide you. Hmm. Uh, recently, we had a good discussion with our young couples group because we, we told them about uh, having this interview. And so we asked them, what do you think works? And they gave us a lot of good feedback on how we've been. Okay, I'm, I'm setting us up. <laughs> You're not supposed to do this, but they were saying that you sh you that we allow them to have their views mm -hmm. and uh, their wishes, and that was really affirming. And yeah. I think that's very important. Instead of coming at it as a teacher again, or as setting a, the agenda, always. or a leader who who runs the show versus facilitating, what they appreciate is living life together mm -hmm. and allowing. Uh, being allowed to right. set the agenda, take ownership. Right, and recognizing, and just like Jesus says, they're individual sheep, they are different, and you're not putting your agenda, and you're you're not shepherding them all exactly the same. And I know, sure, you don't do that, that they're individual couples, they have different needs, different issues, and I think that's what a good shepherd does, and that's what you do when you open up space like that. So thank you for that. And I do want to ask you about your blog because, um, okay, so tell us, I know why you called it what you did, but I love the title. So tell us a little bit about your blog and kind of what topics um, you mostly circulate around on there. Okay, thank you. Uh, I called it Life After Why, Finding Your Footing and Purpose in a Life Disruptor. And it came out of my experience with a recurrence of breast cancer recently. And, uh, but then it has changed to the point of discussing just uh, any kind of life disruptor, mm -hmm. whether it's relational or something re connected to that topic. And one of my passions is to not, uh, to move beyond control. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened for me is I just, I basically, I couldn't plan my life, You're but right. there was a really important lesson in that, that um, I can't plan my life. I can't control it but I can find joy and I can flourish mm -hmm. even without having answers. Right. I think so much of the time in Christianity, people provide their pet answers, like their priors, yes. they set them on someone else and, and it's just not helpful. And so I'm learning to live without understanding reasons. Um, without certainty. Without certainty. I guess yeah. that's yeah. more it without certainty. And so, um, I want Carolyn to contribute. <laughs> we have, have a few topics, but I, but the ones that you write, I mean, you, you just are a beautiful writer, and you articulate um, the thoughts that kind of resonate, and you paint word pictures, and I mean, your English background comes shining through. When I write, my lawyer background comes through, so it doesn't quite have that poetic um, beauty to it. She um, is a very good author. You are, you are, and and I think there's there's really now more than ever in our culture, there is no certainty. I mean, any, any um, thought we have that there might be any illusion has been stripped away yes. uh, very much so with the pandemic and things and yet we still keep clinging and I just feel like your blog is a, um, a space where people can kind of exhale and be okay and not having in the messes and the uncertainty and still know that God is good and he's mm -hmm. holding us together and so love how you give language to that so you can find Sherry on lifeafterwhy.com there's resources there's contact info um, Rick if people want to email you um, no, no therapy questions please but just in general but anything he's covered um, is there an email that they could sure. use Dr. Blackman Dr. Dr. Blackmon at gmail.com and thank you for that. Thank you for your time. May God bless your marriage, your two groups, your grandchildren, all of it. And I'm so thankful that you're part of my ministry here. 
Thank you. Thank you, Kat. And thank you all for listening to Here to There. And until next time, remember, we are better together. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you enjoy this program, please take a few minutes to give us a positive rating on iTunes so that other small group point people can find us more easily. We encourage you to visit our website, smallgroupnetwork.com, to access our library of free resources, connect to a huddle with other small group ministry leaders in your area, read our blog articles, or join us on our Facebook group. Don't forget to use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.